Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. of all marine radio yeah that would be my house actually my garage if you really want to know <laughs> that's right it is the second day of may in the year of our lord 2022 um yeah so welcome to may cinco de mayo coming up for all of you who celebrate those kind of days, St. Patty's Day, Cinco de Mayo. What do the Italians celebrate? St. Elizabeth's Day? Something like that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, I have to tell you that big discussion about forgiving student loan debt. Like, I don't even understand that, right? I don't know if you do, but I don't. So wait a minute, let me get this straight. You decided to take out a bunch of loans because you thought that was a good idea and the rest of us are supposed to bail your ass out? Like, like, like what do you explain that to me? Like, why should the why should the taxpayers of the nation fund your decision to go get a degree? Hmm. I don't really get it. I don't get it. So, I don't get I don't get anything about it. Is it just shtick to get elected? I think that's what it is, isn't it? I mean, try not to be too much of a hater on a Monday morning, but I'm looking for like, what's the rational, what's the rational basis behind forgiving somebody, forgiving somebody student loans? Why was it in somehow other illegal or was unethical or immoral or not that immoral would even get you there? But yeah. No, I mean, you you incurred those debts lawfully, yes? It was your decision to go to school like that. 
And so you're struggling under the weight of your debt? Well, maybe you should have considered that before you went. And so the the rest of us are responsible to rescue you from that. I, I just like, what is the rational, what is the rational basis? Let me, you know what? The internet's a wonderful thing. What is the rational basis for student loan forgiveness? The most straightforward argument against mass loan forgiveness is that it benefits it, its benefits are skewed towards the rich. The top fifth of households So let's see. The top 20% of households holds $3 in student loans for every $1 held by the bottom fifth according to analysis by the People's Policy Project. Next, why? Borrowers take on student debt to attend college, and people with college degrees tend to earn more. Those with the most debt, 50000 or more, almost exclusively have graduate degrees, which carry an even larger earnings premium. So I don't get it. Uh, so I'm looking, okay, so that really wasn't the article I, sh- I should probably have looked at, right? <laughs> what is student loan forgiveness based on? Forgives the remaining balance on your direct loans after you've made 120 qualifying monthly payments under a qualifying repayment plan. That's a student loan forgiveness. Are student loans being forgiven after ten years? Why? Why would time matter if you, you if you borrowed the money from somebody? Oh yeah, it's been a while. Fuck it. You don't have to pay. <laughs> I don't understand the rational basis for it. And these are these are some programs that already exist in deep states. I don't see anybody writing about the rational basis. Well, a student loan forgiveness is unfair. Argument against. How about the argument for, maybe that's a better way to put it, right? Okay. How about this? What's behind the debate? Okay. 
Let's see if I can find a credible... What are the pros of student loan forgiveness? How about this? Advocates contend that student loan forgiveness could help improve racial inequality of income. Well, yeah, but the last thing said that there's for every a dollar held by somebody in the bottom 20%, $3 is held by somebody in the top 20%. So doesn't it just increase that disparity? Let's see. That whole world, that whole word equity. Equity is equality of outcome, regardless of anything else. And I was just, I was thinking about that. Um, And I think, and and I've read this debate about when the American women's soccer team wanted uh, to get paid the same as the men's team. But the problem was what fueled the men's program was the TV contract for the World Cup of soccer that is male versus the female World Cup, I mean, the dollars are very different. And so we want, um, so is equity, we, we want equality of outcome, even though that, you know, the, the money that gets funneled in is not close to being the same. And I don't understand that, right? Hmm, explain that to me. So that whole word equity Equality of outcome. You know, again, what the nation's supposed to be about is about equality of opportunity. And then you define your own outcome, whatever the hell that is. Right? For example, borrowers of color are more likely to hold student debt, owe larger amounts of student debt on average, and often experience more difficulty repaying their loans than white borrowers. But the last thing I read said that's not true. That these numbers actually skew towards the higher households. And much of this debt deals with graduate degrees, which would entail you doctors, lawyers, things like that, which in theory opens much larger wage earning pools to you. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Welcome. The, I, yeah, yeah I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So I'm musing out loud with you. Uh, let me tell you, we're, we'll check the news today. Tomorrow, you'll hear uh, the Mensa Brothers and I. Actually, it's because I screwed something up. You would have heard it this morning, but I don't know why. But Jeff said, hey, so we're recording at 9 o'clock on Monday. And I said, yeah, but I thought, and he was on the East Coast. So I thought, well, that's six to me, so we'll do that, and then we'll throw it on the air. So I get up this morning, and I get up at 5, I do my thing, I'm all ready to go at 6, and nobody hops on the Skype. Yeah, nobody hops on the Skype. And so I'm thinking, well, they'll be here in a minute. So I sit and wait, then I go back and I read the text. So 
The text says nine o'clock Pacific time. I was like, boy. so anyway, um, yeah. So tomorrow what you're going to hear is you're going to hear us um, go over six different articles and we'll all pull out. We'll, we'll go through the list. All right. John Schmidt's article. Boom. General Zinni's article. Boom. General Van Riper's article. Boom. General Newbold's article. Boom. General Dake's article. Boom. And then the sixth article is uh, the one that has General Krulak's name on it. So anyway. Um, so yeah, we'll go through all six of those. And then I don't... and. I will probably do something else that, this week, but I'm headed for Michigan to go speak, so probably not much. And then next week what I want to do is take a look at um, <clears throat> take a look at um, those riding in favor of forced sign 2030 and just what their arguments are. Nancy Pelosi was in Ukraine over the weekend. She is 82 years old. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Your 82-year-old grandmother or great-grandmother right, is Speaker of the House, and she's in Ukraine in the middle of a war. So the United States, obviously, and let me just tell you, I don't know what the classified intelligence assessments are of Russia v. Ukraine, but they have certainly tipped since in the last month. Because when you look at the actions now of Western uh, nations, to include Germany, To include Germany, um, you can't help but conclude that not really sure what's being circulated uh, in the rarefied air of the upper echelons of Western governments, but whatever it is, it's causing people to do things they were not doing a month ago. Poland sending hundreds of tanks to to Ukraine. That's right, tanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Marine Corps, right? We divested. But, hey, there's a war going on, man. We need that shit. Um, that's for a different day, different time. Um, Germany being taken to task for la their lack of support. And, I, you know, again, I, I think this, this whole discussion relative to Germany is really important because the world needs Germany to shake off um, World War II. Um, it's a different nation today. I think we all know that. And, um, and so Germany's got to occupy its rightful place and, and, and shoulder its burden for the defense of Europe.
Okay. Because I don't know. I mean, it seems like how do all these assholes get in charge of countries around the world? Kim, right? The dude in Saudi Arabia is an asshole. Dude in Iran's an asshole. Belarus dudes. I mean, they're fucking dictators, right? And uh, now, again, you can be a benevolent dictator. I mean, the king of Jordan seems to be that to me. Pretty moderate guy. Seems to do reasonable things. Looks out for his people. But. I mean, it seems it's just like there's a lot of assholes, man, that somehow or other get in charge of countries. I, I don't really understand. But it is the way it is. The, um, but whatever, whatever rarefied intelligence got circulated in the last month, it has caused a vast change in what is flowing. Yep. And so, uh, been very interesting to watch. So, uh, Nancy Pelosi, again, and, and her being there is a part of it. Um, I don't know, when I watch her, and I, maybe I would be the same if I was 82. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there should be an age cap in public service. And what do, what what does everybody think is reasonable? I mean, do you remember when your grandmother was 82 and you were around her? You're like, you were just kind to your grandma. I mean, because, I mean, she, I mean, they forget stuff, right? And they take a lot of naps. I don't. I, I don't know. You see, and you see this. Like Strom Thurmond was ninety. What they're wheeling him in on the gurney? Come on, man. Leave the dude alone. Let it go. Yeah. So yeah, I think there should be an age limit. You have to go home at this age. I'm sorry. You have to. I know it's a great gig, and I know you like. Evidently, you like the attention, and nobody else can do what you do, but. Um. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi reign. Her reign will come to an end, and then uh, then the Republicans will control something. More than likely, the House. And then what happens? Hunter Biden hearings. Yeah, you can't wait for that, huh? I know you can't. You want to see that shit? <laughs> they're they're unearthing all these law, all these logs. Oh my God! That show his business partners coming to the White House. All those times. Right? And then the president's saying, yeah, I didn't know anything. Like, what are you talking about? Like, ask the right question. All that shit. Oh, my God. Shit show, right? So the Republicans will get that going. But will she hang around when she's not speaker anymore? She said she's going to run again. She's 82, right? And California's other senator, my home state, don't you know, uh, is Diane Feinstein. She's 88 years old. Right? Yeah. We have like, who are the oldest people in Congress? The oldest people in Congress. The 10 oldest members of Congress are California's going to 
<laughs> going to be. Let's see. Come on, man. Uh, let's go from number. Let's see. Steny Hoyer is number 10. He's the 10th oldest. Born in 1939. Right. Next is Maxine Waters. She's 83. Next, Hal Rogers. Who the hell's he? House of Representatives. He's 84. 85 year old is Bill Pascrell. He's from New Jersey. He's 85. A spry 85. Grace Napolitano. She is 85 years old, Grace. Grace is a in the House of Representatives from the state of California. There you go. Where does she who does she represent? Uh da, 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 da. worked for Ford for 21 years. Where does she did you know? Come on, man. Where does she represent? Um, Eddie Bernice Johnson. It's Edie, I'm sorry. It's spelled the same. E-D-D-I-E. Is that Edie? Eddie would be with a Y? Not sure. Not so familiar with the Eddie thing. Um, or Eddie Edie controversy. Bernice Johnson. She's 86. She's from Texas. Let's see, Jim Inhofe, he's 87 years old. He's number four on the list. Think about that. Number four on the list. Number three on your scorecard is Richard Shelby, 87 years old and 11 months. Yeah, he'll be 88 in May. He's from Alabama. He's a Republican senator. Richard Shelby, 88 years old. He's number three. Chuck Grassley. He's 88 in seven months. He's going to be 89. Republican from Iowa. And... The top two, number one is Diane Feinstein. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi doesn't make the top ten. She's she's eighty eight years and ten months, and she's gotten a lot of publicity lately. Um, what do you think the average age is in in Congress? Let's look that that up. Average age of a U.S. congressman. The average age of members of the House at the beginning of the 116th Congress was 57 years and six months. Senators are 70 years old. Now, I would be interested to know, is that number getting older or younger? 
What's the median age? Median, we're half or above median age of U.S. Congress. Let's see. The average age of senators is 64. scary half of the US Senate is over the age of 65 only 32% of the house is over the age of 65 40% of house Democrats are over the age of 65 23% of house Republicans are over the age of 55 in the Senate it's very equal 50% of the, let's see, no, it's uh, about a 10% difference. Senate Democrats are 46% are over 65. 54% of Republicans are over 65. Yeah, I think there should be an age limit. Yeah, once, you're, uh, once you hit XYZ age, it's time for you to go home. Okay? It's time for you to go home. But, yeah. 82 years old, Nancy Pelosi in Kiev, talking to President Zelensky. And so, anyway, again, I don't know what the classified intelligence is telling everybody, but, yeah, when you have the Speaker of the House headed for Ukraine to make a public appearance, uh, something's, something, something else is going on. Yeah. So, good morning, United States Marine Corps Band is going to make this morning official and then uh we'll check the news headlines and as as i said tomorrow you will hear um the mensa brothers waxing eloquent because you'll have that going for you i don't know if uh you'll hear anything on wednesday but you'll certainly hear something on friday yeah so good morning welcome to all marine radio yeah here you go. United States Marine Corps Band. I met these people. They're nice. I did post-medic winning in Sousa Hall. Yeah. That makes it hashtag legit. <laughs>
this is dedicated to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, for going to Kiev. It's, I don't, you know, it's a great symbol of America uh, backing up Ukraine, uh, not only symbolically, but, you know, with, uh, with our, our weapons. And uh, the Western world rallying to the uh, to to support Ukraine, and uh, I think just as importantly, to see Russia and Vladimir Putin uh, in a greatly diminished state at the end of this. And obviously, there's blood in people's nostrils. So uh, here's to the Speaker of the House. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago: persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Time for us to check the weather. Currently, it is mostly sunny at 65 in Quantico, Virginia. It's going to be nice on the East Coast today. 
Hold on. I got to unscrew something. Give me one second. Okay. I left Cherry Point off. I had to fix that. Not just for today, but for tomorrow and always. Yeah. So anyway. At Cherry Point. What? This can't be right. It says it's cloudy in 37. I don't believe that. I don't believe that to be accurate, just for the record. It is sunny in 65 and 29 Palms. Camp Pendleton, clouds in 59. What the fuck? You know, in my weather thing, you used to be able to have 10 cities, and I did. I don't anymore for some reason. And then when I try to program it, it dumps the extra cities that I put in there. So because I'm no chump, right? Because I'm no chump, I have it stored someplace else. And even that got changed. It's 65 late in the day in Kiev. I don't know what time it is in Darwin or Hawaii. Here at the Home of All Marine Radio, it is cloudy and 61. Um, you know, one of the more interesting stories is the story of violent crime across the country. Crazy, the numbers that you're starting to see. You know, and it's just like um, the saddest part of all of it is that, like a lot of things that you see, it, it was predicted to have, it was, this is what's going, if, if you defund the police, these are the people who are going to pay. But, but what I really don't understand is, and I don't know, George Soros and all his crew, you know, this, this criminal justice system that releases people and you can do crime and you don't have to do you're not going to be punished. I, I, it's, you know, I don't know. You, you look at what's going on in the country and you're just like, how in the hell does this work? And they say, oh, we're overwhelmed. Like, you know, in Los Angeles, property crimes, less than $1,000, we won't prosecute. Okay, so what happens? Oh, they get a citation? So you steal $1,000 worth of shit and you get a citation? Like, you know, I don't know. You just watch it, and it seems to get worse every day. The crazy stuff that goes on. You know, you read about people that, that murder people, then are released. Oh, yeah. He's a juvenile, so we're not going to hold him. Like, what? Yeah. So, anyway. Let me... That's too depressing. I don't want to talk about it. Okay? So, let's talk about stuff that's less depressing. Um, top story from the Stars and Stripes is combat deaths put spotlight on Americans fighting in Ukraine. An undetermined number of Americans, many with military backgrounds, are thought to be in the country battling Russian forces besides both Ukrainian units and volunteers from other countries. So that is in the news. The Nancy Pelosi in surprise Kiev trip vows unbending U.S. support. That is in the news. 
Um, another interesting story. China has mostly dodged, right, taking any kind of responsibility for, you know, allowing Russia, supporting Russia in their endeavor in Ukraine, right? Um, headline, alarmed by Russia's invasion, Europe rethinks its China ties. Confronted by the need to rapidly unwind a dependence on Russian energy built up over decades, government officials from Rome to Prague are reevaluating the extent of their economic and political ties to China. Senior lawmakers in Berlin, who now concede that such closeness to Russia was a historic liability, are starting to see the danger of repeating the mistake with another authoritarian regime raising alarm bells over Germany's status as Beijing's largest European trading partner. When will the United States do that? Nations in Central and Eastern Europe are casting fresh doubt on the wisdom of the so-called 16 plus 1 forum with China. Italy has just strengthened its veto power against foreign takeovers, a measure directed at China. At the European Union level, Attitudes have soured over Beijing's refusal to condemn Russia's invasion and its attempt to undermine the transatlantic unity the war fostered. A virtual EU-China summit on April 1 took place in the context of what a person familiar with the discussions described as an increasingly challenging relationship. Yeah. So, interesting. You know, and again, Angela Merkel, the globalization, you know, they're just different. They're not bad, right? Until they are. So, uh, you know, another story that's in Stars and Stripes, and this story goes back, I think, two years now. Headline, housing company mishandled repairs and endangered military families despite million in fines, millions in fines, according to a Senate report. Now, this is Balfour Betty Communities, which manages and maintains military housing, housing on bases across the country, has mishandled maintenance requests and threatened the health and safety of families at bases in Texas and Georgia, according to a Senate report released last week. The findings of the report are similar to those of a federal criminal investigation made public in December. Balfour Betty pled guilty to fraud charges that followed a Justice Department investigation, and the company paid $65 million in fines and restitution to the military. Now, again, this story is old and tired and stupid, you know? Why as it's, is it still going on? Why? So, I mean, do you remember the hearings a couple of years ago when you had spouses showing pictures of mold and shit in their homes, talking about, you know, we, we went, you know, we got no response, you know, our kids' damage, health is damaged by mold in their lungs and shit. And you're like going, okay, well, certainly C Congress will step in and this will get rectified. Two years later, right? <laughs> Two years later, 
right? Nothing. You're still seeing this kind of crap. And again, what do you, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's just pathetic. It's just pathetic. Quote, these are issues that have been out there. I think we bring more specific focus to some of our findings, said a subcommittee official speaking on the condition of anonymity. We have real evidence of what Balfour did and did not do in the time period we're looking at. The report is entitled Mistreatment of Military Families in Privatized Housing and focuses on a period between 2019 to the present. Joke, man. Joke. You're, you're talking about, you know, mold and fixing basic shit. It's disgusting, right? Disgusting. Top story in the Wall Street Journal, uh, Spirit Airlines rejects JetBlue's bid. But you don't care. You don't give a shit about that. Um, Ukraine says it sank two Russian naval boats. What? Yeah, Hannah Montana say what? Ukraine said on Monday it sank two Russian naval vessels in the Black Sea with drone strikes as explosions rang out once again in Russia's border region of Belgorod and heavy fighting continued in eastern Ukraine. Ukraine video footage of what it said were Bayraktar TB2 armed drones hitting the two Raptor-class patrol boats at 5.41 a.m. Monday near Snake Island. Yeah, that's the island that the, that the uh, Ukrainian soldiers told the Russians to piss off. And both boats appeared to be hit. It wasn't clear whether they had sunk. That is in the news. Wall Street Journal. Uh, top story in New York Times. Desperate civilians gather for evacuation from Maripol. Two more stories. It was hell on earth. Two sisters recount their perilous escape from Maripol as Russian forces closed in. Next headline. A Russian tycoon criticized President Vladimir Putin's war. war. Retribution was, was swift. Subheadline. He sold his company rapidly, and he is now in hiding. Expect for that person to wind up dead, right, very quickly. Right? Poison, more than likely. Choked to death. Next, Washington Post, top headline. Poll, majority of Americans back Russia sanction and aid to Ukraine. Next headline. Pelosi meets Polish president, evacuees from Maripol, head for safer location. So on her return, right, after she met President Zelensky, Ms. Pelosi, Congressman Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, if you will, meets with the president of Poland. And there's a really interesting article in, uh, at least I think, I mean, it would appeal to people that listen to me on radio, some of them. How the jack-in-the-box flaws doom some Russian tanks. And it really, it essentially talks about ammunition storage, 
and how ammunition is stored underneath the tank crew. And so it gives it shows the diagram of where it is in the T-72, which is directly beneath. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure who thought that was a good fucking idea. Yeah, hey, what we'll do is it makes a lot of sense, you know, to store the ammunition underneath, right, underneath the crew. Obviously, you're not riding in that motherfucker, okay? Um, Germany's Leopard 2 tank has it stowed in the back of the uh, turret, right? So um, the T-72, it's in the hull, right? So in the hull of the tank, underneath the uh, gunner and the tank commander, behind the driver. Yeah, I don't need to tell you what happens if that thing goes. The good news is you won't ever know it. You won't ever know it goes because you will be gone very quickly. Um, in the Leopard 2 and in the M1A, M1 Abrams tank of the United States, the ammunition is stored in the very aft compartment, that means backside compartment of the turret. So it's not in the hull, it's in the turret. Do you know what the 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 immediate action if you're hit in the ammunition compartment is on the M1A1? It's close the ammunition doors and it's and and they tell you they will survive that hit. What? Yeah. So you're invincible in this tank. Uh yes, we are. So that's in the Washington Post. What else? Um, Russia's economy being hurt by the mass flight of IT workers out of the nation. Mm-hmm. So that is in the news. Top story in USNI News. There's no new news in USNI News. Yeah, the last story is from last Friday. So we can skip over that. Um, I have to tell you, I, Marine Corps Times has turned into, this is my opinion, kind of a gossip. I mean, let me, these are the stories about that Marine Corps Times is covering today. California man pleads guilty to Marine's fentanyl-laced pill overdose death. So a Marine dies of an overdose. That's the lead story today. Right? Marine veteran killed. So it's not even an active Marine. It's a Marine veteran killed in Ukraine. That's a big story. Another story of a Marine that got released from Russia. That's a story. And a Marine combat engineer who drowned in Hawaii. That's a story. A Marine trial opens for veteran ex-cop charged with capital riot. This is like not really Marine. It's like Marine Corps gossip stuff. I don't know. Marine Corps clickbait to stay in business. I don't know. Certainly not anything substantive relative to the Marine Corps. I don't know. Just a thought. And it seems to be it, it is it seems to be the trend of their stories. Um next. Combat death spotlight. This is the top five stories in early bird. Combat death put spotlight on America's fighting in Ukraine. Hey, it's a free country. They want to go, that's their choice. Okay. Next. Pentagon budget aims to shrink the military by thousands. Most of the military services are hoping to get smaller this year. Interesting, right? World's more unstable than ever 
American military going to get smaller? The Defense Department budget request unveiled April 4th asked for Congress to cut about 25,000 positions from the military services, which would bring authorized and in strength much closer in line with current manning levels. So really, we're not cutting 25,000. We're unable to man them, and so we're just going to cut the positions. The $813 billion request is the largest in history, up more than $17 billion from last year, but its goal is, quote, its goal is not about making the force bigger. That is not what our review concluded we needed to do. We're looking at making the force more capable. The Army and the Navy would shrink by more than 5,000. Air Force wants to drop about 7,500 active duty airmen at the start of fiscal 2023. Overall, the military could draw down by 10,000 more troops, though the Marine Corps and the Space Force would see a small bump. The new authorized end strength of 2,122,900 is down from 2,147,000. Talks about army numbers, reservist numbers. The Navy on April 4th announced it plans to decommission 24 ships. Wow, significantly reducing its manning requirements. The Marine Corps, meanwhile, will, was allowed to go up to over 214,000 troops in 2022, but came in closer to 209. Their budget request would even things out into to 2010,000 for the Marine Corps. 177,000 active duty Marines, that's down 250. And 33,000 in the reserve, that's up 650. So, so the reshuffling, you'd have to get your secret decoder ring to really get to the bottom. So the bottom line is we're cutting billets, we're not cutting people. And in the Marine Corps, we're actually adding jobs and then migrating some to the reserve. Gotcha. Um, troops at remote and overseas bases attempt suicide more often, according to a GAO study. Nearly 19% of all suicide attempts occurred on bases that were remote or while people were deployed. But only 10% of the suicide deaths the federal watchdog found. So 20% of the attempts. Now again, attempt, gesture, we go through that. So uh, more suicide discussion. Uh, ghost of GRAP, illusions of recruiting fraud still ruining soldiers' career. An unknown number of soldiers have had their lives upended by the long-term consequences of a massive investigation into claims of widespread fraud, hold on, widespread fraud in the Guard Recruiting Assistance Program. Wow. Next story. Here's what we know about the deaths of three children at Camp Lejeune. 
no details are available about what happened to the children in two separate incidents. But Camp Lejeune, Lejeune officials confirmed to Marine Corps Times that a parent of one of the families was assigned to 2nd Marine Division. A parent to the second family was assigned to the Naval Medical Center there. The deaths occurred in two separate unrelated incidents on April 16th, according to Marine spokesman. No further comment. So, yeah. Um, headlines. Overseas operation, Ukraine. Lead story is a very small number of civilians are being evacuated from the steelworks in Maripol. In, UK, in Ukraine's Kharkiv region, the governor warned residents in the north and east of the city to remain in shelters due to heavy Russian shelling. And again, um, NATO nations rushing artillery and tanks to Ukraine. NATO jet fighters scrambled multiple times this week in response to Russian aircraft. Hmm. Interesting. Also, here's another interesting. Feared Russian cyber attacks against the United States have yet to materialize. You know, we've talked about this and I've said this is one of the most head-scratching things that I've seen in the last couple of years, and that is this. United States to invite Pacific leaders to the White House and ramp up diplomatic ties. Well, no fucking kidding. It's stupid. Absolutely, positively stupid. And I've reached my limit in Reuters. So you know what that means? You go to another browser and you copy and paste the link and you read it there. I will not be denied Reuters, just so you know. Wellington, New Zealand. U.S. President Joe Biden's administration plans to step up dip diplomatic engagement with Pacific Island countries Indo-Pacific coordinator Kurt Campbell said on Monday, including inviting Pacific leaders to the White House later this year. You think? So two years into his presidency, somebody thought this was something good to do. Speaking in a call from Washington, D.C., Campbell told attendees at the summit in Auckland that along with Hosting island leaders, the United States intended to ramp up diplomatic ties with Pacific countries that had not seen ambassadors or engagement for decades. Quote, for the United States to be effective in the Pacific, we must do more and we must do more on areas that matter and are of significance to the Pacific Islanders, Campbell said. That is called a firm grasp of the obvious. So... Crazy. This is written yesterday. 
Like, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure. Now, tomorrow, that'll do it for the news. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, no. You watch this shit, right? Tomorrow. I say again, tomorrow. Tomorrow on All Marine Radio, you will hear something that I'm going to begin recording in about an hour. And that is the Mensa Brothers talking about six articles. John Schmidt, who wrote FMF for One, uh, talks about uh, Force Design 2030. Next, General Zinni writes about big blue arrow stuff, right? Goldwater's Nichols, the creation of the combatant commands all over the world, which is, he's talking about Central Command, European Command, Southcom, Northcom, Spacecom, Cybercom, right? All the different, you know, Stratcom, all the different commands. Seven geographic, four functions. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So General Zinni talks about that. How policy gets made which really begs the question when you read the article how did where did this thing come from could somebody explain the, the intellectual genesis and the only person i've really seen get after that is representative loria that's how she got on my radar like she's asking some pretty pointed questions there. yeah what does she know and that is where did this come from where did this where did this thing come from that completely stands the Marine Corps on its ear? Okay. This is the only way to take on the Chinese. So the whole Marine Corps is gonna change for a fight that really is designed for one theater. But then they defend it by saying, Oh no, no, but it's not designed for one theater. It's designed for the littorals and any place. Gotcha. Yeah, but the Marine Corps makes a much broader contribution to the nation's defense. Response? Not anymore, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, okay. Force and readiness? Yes. Close with? No. We will be missile security people. Gotcha. In the littoral, in the littorals, and that's where we're going to make our money. Uh, okay. So when you read General Zinni's article, you really see about what the Marine Corps is supposed to be for the nation, how this, how development is supposed to happen. And it really raises questions about the origin of Force Design 2030. Where did it come from? Who requested it? How did it get, and how did it become a thing in the first place? So anyway, so, uh, that's interesting. Gen General Van Riper talks about uh, the changes to the Marine Corps and what it will do to the Marine Corps as a fighting force. And he makes a really interesting comment in there. The Marine Corps hasn't fought anybody of substance since, as, and you've heard this on this show, we fought in uh, Vietnam, specifically in the northern part of South Vietnam, places like Kantian, places like Quezon, where uh, mostly Marine units fought the North Vietnamese army, right? And they would come to put your head on a stick 
that that was peer-to-peer combat. So, but it wasn't really peer-to-peer because, you know, the North Vietnamese didn't really have an air force. But they could shoot our shit down. So anyway, uh, General Riper, and then uh, General Newbold talks about manpower. Interesting. General Dake talks about aviation. The number of over 200 fewer aviation platforms in the Marine Corps to do this. Yeah. So anyway, that and then General Krulak, Zinni, and Sheehan uh, write an op-ed in the Washington Post. And that's the, the sixth. So there's a series of four. Zinni, Van Riper, Newbold, Dake. Right. And then before that, there's Schmidt. And after that, there's Krulak, Sheehan, and Zinni. So we'll talk about those tomorrow. Yeah. And then probably the following week, we'll, we'll take up the people that defend Force Design 2030. But I will tell you, you know, I think that as you look at it and you, and you read all of that, I mean, you really have to put your hand up and say, man, this thing does not appear in any way, shape or form to have been scrutinized. I don't know by the combatant commanders. Do they understand that the Marine Corps is not the same close with force that it was no tanks, tube artillery gun and all that. So I don't know. I don't think they do. On that note, I'm Mike McNamara, this is All Marine Radio. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, and uh, you'll hear that discussion. And then I'm off to Michigan later this week. Yeah, looking forward to that. So on that note, have a good one. I'm out.